0: David, explain to me how you've gone from one branch in 95 to 27 years later having a hundred.
1: Thank you. I don't know that I can tell you that.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, David Kilburn. Do you think 27 years time the business will be this size? Obviously not. about what advice you would give yourself 27 years ago but what what would you give entrepreneurs of today that are maybe thinking of taking a step into building their own business hello and welcome to the podcast today i'm joined by jv and neil and i'm also joined by east yorkshire legend david kilburn the founder of mkm building supplies as usual thank you for all your help please like subscribe share all of the content we really do appreciate it and with all that said welcome to tomorrow's workplace today welcome to the podcast David Kilburn um so I I guess I'd like to to start at the start if that's okay so kind of I guess out of school where where did where did your career start and I guess talk us through that from leaving school
1: well well, work-wise um I, st- I started in banking here in Hull. Right, um, okay. I uh, I got a job with the Hull Savings Bank, which of course doesn't exist anymore. came to TSB and right. part of Lloyd's Bank. So I had a couple of years actually wor- working in banking. Okay. Which I think was quite, well, I found it reasonably interesting and actually quite entertaining, strangely enough, because in those days they had um, Hull Savings Bank had a kind of branch virtually on every street corner. Mm. I don't know how many branches it must have had, but. Thirteen, forty.
0: But the proper bank manager back in the day. They did have a bank. Yeah. yeah, they
1: never loaned any money though. We never <laughs> had the facility to lend <laughs> any, any money, which was probably very safe. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, and then uh, after your brief stint in banking, well, what? Next well, yeah,
1: then my parents got moved. Well, my dad got moved to uh, to Stockton for uh, two or three years, um, and um, he was working for William Jackson's. At the And um, it went around their factory up in Stockton, so uh, I couldn't afford it. I was, you know, young kid without too much, too much money. So I I had to follow with them, and so I got transferred to the Newcastle and Stockton Trustee Savings Bank, but it wasn't quite the same. And um, so um, I just happened to come across. Well, I had an uncle actually lived in the area, and he he was friendly with um, the uh, um, uh, the whether in today's terms you probably call him the CEO of a company called Crossley Building Products who were a merchant chain based in the northeast and um you know they were chatting over something I don't know I think they were playing snooker or something mm. he said you know we can't get young people to come into the industry and he said well I've got a nephew who's you know port stiff working in the bank and you know why doesn't somebody at your place meet up with him and that's that's how it kind of came about so I, I got a job with this merchant chain in uh, in Stockton okay uh, As a, I can't you call them in today's parlance you know probably management trainee kind of thing so they put me through all the various departments and, and okay they didn't put me in the yard because they obviously thought i was a bit <laughs> a bit weak <laughs> Not quite it wouldn't, wouldn't suit me <laughs> so i don't like the cold and <laughs> and i definitely don't <laughs> like humping stuff around but anyway I, I managed to escape having to work in the yard. But other than that i probably did everything else you could do you know from yeah various departments and Okay, and did
0: you, did you settle into a role there or did you move on to
1: somewhere No, I, I, I stayed with them for quite some time. They had a subsidiary business down in Hull anyway, which is called Doberta Townsley's, which were, well they had two actually, Doberta Townsley's and Henry Williamson's, um, who actually, um, interestingly enough, uh, Peter Murray, who started MKM with me, who was the M in MKM, uh, Pete was working at um, Henry Williamson's and I was working at Dorber Townsley's all those years ago. And I, I transferred eventually from Stockton. Um, back down to, to work for Dorbert Houses, which were in Park Street off Beverly Road um, okay. and then eventually became a sales rep for them and then eventually became their branch manager in Scarborough so okay. I uh, relocated with the family at that time to to live in Scarborough and actually lived there for 20 years. So
0: Very nice. But I wasn't a, I was a manager for
1: too long, I think mean, it was a couple of years I was there um, in in Scarborough, as the branch manager. Now was kind of approached from Graham Group, who were uh, another group of builders' mm-hmm. merchants, but slightly larger, yeah, yeah. who who asked who who had a facility in uh, Bridlington, and they said, "Would well, I join them?" So <coughs> there was a bit of an uplift, in some of various other things, you know. When you <coughs> and so that's where I went to. So I I um I worked uh, in Graham's uh, for. Uh, probably about 10 years I think. No, it was probably longer than that, 12. So I got to about 1985 and I was, I, I kind of, grew, I was, they had three branches, they had Hull, Driftfield and and Bridlington, Bridlington tending to be uh, the more senior of the three and so the, uh, that, that's where I guess admin and various other things were based. On. And um, so anyway I finished up with something like we call it sales sales manager or something of that ilk you know looking after three branches the sales reps that kind of stuff and um i thought well i got to 40 and you know i could do better than this so uh, with the help of a a, a customer a good customer friend of mine um i opened a business in scarborough um strangely enough i had a very original name in it we called it david kilburn limited (laughs) so yeah see a lot of thought went into that yeah and um uh, I, I was joined by a good friend of mine that worked at Graham's quite some time, a guy called Jeff Ollier who was Driffield based <coughs> and so um, I can't remember when it was, sometime in 1985 anyway we kicked off. It wasn't long before Harcross, who were another large national mm-hmm. group at the time, started knocking on the door um, saying you know we've always wanted a branch in Scarborough you know please will you sell us? Um, so I guess the, the move from being at Graham's to starting my own business was a bit from my perspective a catalyst for change really so you know is this the time to you know you're just kind of cruising through life you know you're not really pushing yourself blah blah all that kind of stuff so this kind of presented the way they presented the opportunity with Harcross seemed like well why not so mm. we sold that business at Harcross you know I didn't become a rich man by it um, but it was really, you know so it was an opportunity so uh, so that's what we uh, I did um, and joined them in 1985 and then <coughs> they with a brief really to open branches north of the Humber so we're, we opened one in uh, Hull uh, which is still there there's a Jusen branch because Jusen bought Harcross in 98 but mm. um, we opened that branch in 98 and who would I go to to get to to ask if he would run that was Pete Murray who mm. of course he used to work at uh, at uh, Henry Williamson's and um, uh, he and i had always, Pete and I were good friends anyway and um, He'd worked at Graham's as well, so he 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 joined us all that Graham Group and then um he 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 obviously ran that branch branch Cliff Road. Um and this, this went through I, I, I was they had Harcross had six regional offices, one of them was in Grimsby. And uh they um they had a night of the long names really in effect because they'd they'd have management consultants in not just in a subsidiary of Harcross, it was part of a conglomerate called Harrisons and Crossfields. And so they had a root and branch uh, consultancy uh, around, you know, changing the whole dynamics of, of, of the group. And so all the four barons of the four key um, businesses that were made up, Harrison's, Crossfield, were all paid off. And it, it, it was um, it was changed quite dramatically, um, the whole structure of the group. Eventually, the group has completely disappeared. The only bit that's left is Elementis, who uh, were who a chemical company who right. manufacture all sorts of strange things, but predominantly aerospace, um, chrome. Um, which um, anyway, um, and um, so they they got this consultants in there and so we obviously Harcross because they got rid of the barons of the four key key businesses of which Harcross was one, they uh, they, they brought somebody else in to run the business. But he, he he was just a button presser really for the restructuring of Harcross and so they'd shut three of the six regional offices, Grimsby being one of them so that I and about a hundred others we were all made redundant because uh, there was no need for any um, you know regional centralisation at that time other than so the six became three and we yep. were part of that three and then um, strangely enough the guy who, who was um, in charge of the enlarged area of, um, of Harcross was an old um, um, well, I don't know. He, he, he and I more or less started at the same time for Crossley Bridge. Probably all those years back Back in... I think mean, I joined him in 1963, which seems like a, a long <laughs> time ago, doesn't <laughs> so. it? And um, he, uh, I don't think he and I really got on with each other. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, uh, I probably don't know why. We're just different kind of characters, personalities. But anyway, uh, I don't know whether he was getting his own back, but he decided I wasn't going to be on his team. So. Um, I was made redundant at that time in in 1995, and so uh, what was it? I had to do something. 50. Yep. um Get another you job. Move? You know, various other things. I, I'd got commitments like most people have. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to put food on the table, pay the mortgage, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, I um, <coughs> I went to see mm-hmm. Pete Murray, and uh, who was running Harcross's branch in leeds Road, which is now Juson's which at that there was. I mean, Pete was hugely successful. I mean, he was running really the, probably the, the largest in turnover and profit terms of, of, of the the cost branches in the UK. Right uh, down there in Cliff Road. Um, I said to Pete, you know, how do you fancy starting your own business? You know, the two of us having a crack at it. And he said, yeah, that's a great idea. So, in, in effect, the beginning of MKM was spawned. Um, right. We, we went to buy. We went to buy. I'm just what they call them now. Um, Douglas Williams, who you none of you will remember because we're going back 1995 now and they were a business. They had two branches, one in Beverly, predominantly and one in, uh, in um, uh, not in Stone Ferry, the other side of the river and I can't remember what we called us, that side of the river. Anyway, it doesn't matter but they had two branches and um, we, we were talking to them and so were Travis Perkins. Anyway, Pete and I made some kind of offer. We didn't know where we were going to get the money from but anyway, <laughs> we, we, we made them an offer. Um, anyway they 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 didn 't take our offer and they, they decided they would take one from travis Perkins so um uh, the the branching hole just disappeared i mean um so i think I think they shut that fairly quickly and then their the branch in Beverly, which actually hangs behind ours in beverly um was um was bought that was their main branch anyway and and that became travis perkins uh so then um I, I had a couple of friends um, who, uh, one of them wanted to uh, put some money in, and the other one offered to build us a um, uh, where we are today at Stone right. to the wow. to the warehouse and such as that, and lease that to us. Uh, so, um, with their help, uh, and Peter and I, um, Started we started with and in the early stage because obviously the shed wasn't going to be built immediately that would take time you have to get planning permission actually mm. by the site to start with and and and, and for it to happen and so um, we rented a, <coughs> some premises from Walter Wilson's who were a Scottish based <coughs> plumbers So, <coughs> who, who also sold electrical products anyway they and so they decanted that property and so I rang them up and said, you know, any chance we can, thinking they're never going to lend it to somebody who wants to open in a similar industry. So, but anyway, they did. Uh, and so we started in uh, October 95 in that 5,000 square foot shed, which is now opposite the range. The range wasn't there then on Clough Road. Yeah. It was, um, it used to be, um, oh, I can't remember, It's a car dealership and, and truck dealership. Anyway, that that eventually was knocked down, and obviously the range was built because that was a new building. And so we we started there in um, in October, as so I say, ninety five, and there was just five of us. Um, although my wife, had, uh, Linda, was was involved, but wasn't actually <coughs> physically on on site, you know, wor- working and trading with us. But um, she kind of written the business plan and various other things, and she was obviously involved in thinking about, you know, how we. Uh, uh, how we should go about things. And when um, you when you set that up, did you think in what, how many years 27. 27
0: years time, the business will be this size? And, no, obviously, no, obviously not. Hi guys, I just want to jump in and talk about a specific area of automation, which we often get involved in, which is the processing of supplier invoices. Or accounts payable automation, as it's also known. Most businesses have invoices that they get sent from their suppliers. Essentially, what our solutions do is they read those invoices, they extract key information from them, like purchase order numbers, supplier codes, or supplier names. We then use that information and match that up against digital records. So, can we find a purchase order number? Can we find a good receive note for that product? If we can, then we can match it up, we can reconcile it, and we can automatically post that into your finance system. What makes us different is that we configure our solutions to be specific to your organisation. So we're not an out the box plug it in and see what you get. We actually understand more about your processes, your organisation, your supplier base, and we configure the solution to meet those requirements. Hopefully that's enough to pique your interest. If it is, get in touch. Let's have a chat.
1: i mean, hey. We'd have to have great ideas of grandeur, wouldn't we, at the time. <laughs> this well. is what was going to happen. And secondly, we'd be probably over-egoing ourselves about what we what we might achieve. And so Pete and objections objective was, it, it, it was very much a family affair, because Pete's, the, the only other people that we employed was Peter's partner at the time, he's now his wife, Janet. Yeah. Uh Linda was involved, Who's my wife. Um, uh, Andy Beat, <coughs> who was now our branch director at Beverley, um, and another, and one other person who um, uh, he, he was our kind of plumbing and heating expert. That was predominantly what we did in those first few days, because uh, we were supplying lots of products into our living Caravan, which were generally plumbing and heating yeah. products rather than building products. And um, he he's the only one, I guess, subsequently who who left us. He left us after about six seven years. Um, but other than that, everybody's kind of stayed with the business. I mean, Peter sold his shares in 2006 um, and uh, wanted to do something else but after a year Pete said well you know you know I'd I'd like to come back and Pete so they just came back and worked worked kind of um, you know flexibly if you like in the business for another I can't remember now Pete remember 10-12 years uh, until he decided eventually would he'd hang up his boots altogether um, but he and I remain great friends and one yeah. about our, our, our biggest challenges has been Hull City supporters, <laughs> <So> <laughs> you'll, see, you'll see it sat together on Saturday afternoon this week all being well right. Right. When, we David, fa- when we face someone. David,
2: um, you a, a couple of things. Um, one, you mentioned about your wife Linda created the business plan. Obviously you've, you said to Steve you couldn't imagine the size, of the, the, you didn't at that point imagine the business was going to grow to that size. What was the business plan? What were your objectives? Well, the, 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 what was your the, the business in,
1: plan in the early days was obviously was it was sort of projections about what we would do with those sure. first uh, couple of years. <coughs> obviously going to the banks, um, and and that was really for the sole purpose of that. So you know she had that capability. She was a management consultant. So in other words, right. It's a, at the end of the day, lots lots of things is it's all about in the presentation, isn't it? It's yeah. What, what mm-hmm. does it look like on paper? Does it make sense to somebody who's listening? Um, and uh, we went to. Um, we approached Barclays Bank. who had been my sort of private bank it's since I was I don't know 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of I don't know <coughs> whether it's the same with everybody else, but you kind of follow where your parents bank, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah you still do. My dad was you know he banked with Barclays on Beverly Road, so I and account with yeah. Barclays on Beverly Road, and 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 they obviously knew the bank manager then. Yeah. You know, um, and um, but of course by the time we'd got to this, I had no idea what the branch manager was because you know they hardly exist anymore do they sure. and, and such as that so anyway I approached them anyway they weren't interested um uh, they wouldn't support us so then we went to HSBC and uh, they wouldn't support us either Uh so eventually we landed on the door of Lloyds Bank and and they did support us so of course um you know we've, we've in, in many ways although uh, you, c- you can imagine once we got to this size debt providers and all sorts of other people are, are mm. all in 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 the pot they they but they do provide banking facilities and we use them you know obviously so as administrative of of, of all our throughput of cash and various things the rest of it. so across. we're still we're yeah. still we st- 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 still with them but, yeah. uh, but the other two rejected us going back all those years ago so but and you know, whether they've lost out on that or not okay. <laughs> 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 and the business model them came is
0: is somewhat unique in terms of the the branch structure and ownership structure—is that right? Can yeah, uh, uh, yeah Well, we
1: go, we go back to we we go back to the beginning because you asked the question when we Pete and I started. Yeah. Were, were we going to, um, um, you know, or, or would we sort of see in our, our minds and what we've got today? And 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 clearly, we didn't. Um, and. Although Linda always argues that we always did have a plan to have more than one branch. I I, <laughs> I, I always say, well, I'm I'm not convinced that we, we did have that. I mean, we were concentrating, obviously, on and when we opened uh, Stone Ferry, uh, the, the, the branch that eventually got built in uh, um, April 97. Um, you know, that was that was quite a challenge because, you know, we got 20,000 square foot warehousing and uh, obviously, by this time we were growing because um, you know, obviously, the client base had expanded quite, mm. quite, quite, quite a lot since then. Um, and um, so, no, we, we, we. Well, I suppose fr- prior to that, I, g- I got a phone call in. Um, maybe it was nine months after we'd started from um, the guy that had started that business in Scarborough with me, Jeff Ullier, who was running a Harcross branch mm. of um, uh, in Driffield for uh for them Uh, and he said you know it's not the same since you know we changed everything around you know the regions were enlarged and you know the management structures changed the people you know the relationships are all different blah 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 why can't you open a branch in driftfield um so obviously jeff who obviously apart from being a colleague was a good friend as well anyway and so why wouldn't you explore that so um that that's uh, that's what happened and Fortunately in, in, in Driftfield, um, there's a there's a guy I, I know quite well called Eric Meginson, and he was quite a large landowner around the Driftfield area and, and he, had, he used to have a timber unit right in the middle of Driftfield and he had shut that and we'd used it at Harcross to get a branch open uh, some time before, uh, but on the proviso that we relocated onto his industrial uh, site that he'd built outside of uh, outside of Driftfield and so they'd they'd move the business over there. So this in effect the site was uh, was still available because mm. it was it was empty. i hadn't leased it to anybody else and of course, he got planning permission and change of views build much. And So all I had to do was negotiate with uh, with Derek as to whether or not he, he was prepared to let us have, a, have have that site and of course he was um, and um, so that, that's when I said to Jeffrey, and there'd it, it, always been a bit of a, not that um, a guilt feeling from me that uh, with Jeffrey, that um, he, none of us made anything out of the business in in Scarborough, but you know, he'd taken a risk then to leave uh, yeah. Graham's to come and start that and blah, blah, blah. And, and so um, uh, somebody years before that, the boss of, um, of Harcross, um, who was, um, a, you know, six foot seven old Aerovian used to come on royal visit and he used to say, uh, you know, the the, the builders merchants business would be much more successful if the people who uh, uh, managed the branches had some skin in the game. Mm. Uh, And So that always kind of resonated that maybe this is a this is a great idea, but as they were a public company, of course, they couldn't give any of Mm. of this. Of the ownership of the, of the business to anybody else, so they, they were kind of stuck in this. Aid had this in his mind, but of course he couldn't do anything about it, because, you know, um, and uh, so I said to Jeff, uh, you know, why don't you take a 25% stake in your own business? And so really that's when, if you like, the, 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 the business model would form. So we see MKM as a, as a business of not just, I mean, now we've got 106 branches, mm. but actually we don't see them as branches, we see them as 106 separate businesses. and. You know that they they kind of manage them in their own mm-hmm. idiosyncratic way if they, and um, and do things differently, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know obviously they 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 they're supported by uh, by the centre, um, and there is a kind of a, a circle of not specific rules but an understanding that um, you know you buy from. Uh, you know, all, all, all of the agreements that are made centrally, you, mm. you know, clearly, you, you know, yeah. <coughs> I mean, all yeah. the credit control and all that kind of stuff, you know, so sales and purchase ledgers, all these kinds of stuff, sold dealt with at the centre. So, mm. um, you know, they, they just need to really plug in and, and off the go and not worry too much about all of the, the kind of peripheral stuff that would get in the way if you were trying to run and manage your own business.
0: And it seems quite a unique model from what I know in terms of the building merchant.
1: Industry. Yeah, no, none, 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 of the others have got any, anything like it. Because they, 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 they're quite envious mm. of it because obviously it tracks the upper quartile of of branch managers in the industry. And yeah. um, why wouldn't you? Because the rewards are life changing in comparison to yeah, so if you, you worked in for any of the large national chains.
2: Why, why do you think David, sorry, why, why, why do you think none of the non-PLC type merchants haven't copied that model?
1: Well, I suppose two, two things. One is if you're already starting your business and you've got more than you know, 10 branches or, or whatever, you're going to have to give a lot of value yeah, away. Sure. Um, and um, my experience of people that... Um, you know second and third generation often is not because often these chains of, of yeah. merchants independence particularly of course obviously a pass from father to son or daughter and um you know they're very you know second third in some cases fourth fifth sixth generation mm. uh they look like giving things away don't no. they? <laughs> <laughs> so i you know i'm a great believer in you give to get mm. uh, and um you know if you, if you don't have a mindset that says i'm prepared to give to get you know, you're always taking instead of giving, aren't you? And mm. to me, there's much more pleasure in giving than getting. Absolutely.
0: In terms of the, <coughs> the industry, you, obviously, you've been close to it for the last well, 27 plus years, actually. What, what are the big changes that you've seen in the industry over,
1: over that time? Well, you know, dramatically, the last two or three years have seen the biggest changes mm. um, rather than the period over the last last 27 years. Well, I suppose we often debate this i mean the biggest the biggest debate often is not of course is digital and whether or not that um, we'll move much on to trading in a digital platforms against you know face to face or using the obvious telephone or mm. whatever whatever it doesn't really change a lot i mean I mean once you get past the point i mean um, from that you know handwritten dockets uh, when somebody would come to a sales counter, and then you'd have to kind of process it through a system. And you know, once you got a fully integrated software system, which really we, we obviously had a fairly simplistic one as you can imagine back yeah. 27 years ago, because obviously we hadn't got a lot of money to buy something that was sophisticated. But it was it it, it was an all, all all in software package, you know, that could uh, you know invoice people and collect the cash and you know all that kind of stuff. You put the products on the system and. And, and price and the rest of it. As long as you go, you, 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 things haven't changed much, that that still is pr- predominantly much the same. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean the proportion of sales, and we've got a fairly sophisticated, we just re- relaunched a new one, um, website, you know, sales through that medium at the moment is extremely small in comparison to... Oh, really?
2: I was nodding, thinking you were going to say, I've really grown, but yeah. wow
1: price still extremely slow and of course the conundrum is will will our customer base eventually shift more to that style of shopping uh, or will they stick very much to the traditional method of you know I'm going to pick up the phone and, and speak to Joe who I know in there yeah. because there's, often there's not, there's more questions than answers. Um, are you sure you're ordering the right product um, mm. or they're asking question about, I'm not quite sure whether this, but this application or this application, or can you advise me about, you know, how, how do I do this? Or how can I, you know, even, you know, experienced contractors, tradespeople, you know, they, uh, they, they're, they're not absolutely certain all the time as to what kind of pro- products would be suitable to use in a sense so you can, you can't ask those kind of things. So all oh, the websites would be too complicated. Yeah. So I think, yeah. and then of course, um, you know, if you're getting a lorry load of materials and you put it on the web and you just hope that it's going to arrive because you put, well, I'd like it for 10 o'clock on, you know, blah, blah morning and you've got 10 people waiting for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I don't know. I think there's an element of, I want physically to hear somebody say, yeah, okay. it's going uh, to arrive on yeah, time yeah, at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. I'd rather, rather than just depend on, i don't know but yeah I, I, nobody knows the answer to that mm. uh I, I mean clearly it will grow over time because you know kids today you know they spend their time on tablets don't they and so um yeah. so really we see it as we ha- it's a have to have and it's it's um it it's as of today and yeah. and so therefore it's bang up today and obviously we're still working at it loading more products you know e- using social media more and all that kind of stuff so so we've we're, you know we're, we're well into all that kind of stuff but um
0: but your customers still prefer that yeah big, big so it's, up, it's have a conversation. Yeah, well,
1: it, it's, I it's like most businesses you've got to have every channel open yeah. you? So, so you can do business and and at the moment the preferred channel for most people is it, i would say would be the phone yeah predominantly yeah. Um, mobile phone uh, followed by people who collect the goods
2: it's interesting uh, that because
1: knowing Pete is
2: obviously a big relationship person with a big networker he knows a lot of people and yeah. i think it's one of those where giving that good advice if you just oh yeah you need to be speaking to Pete type thing pick up the phone
1: have a chat to him oh Pete what would you do in this situation I need this this and this by then oh yeah I'll leave it with me I'll get it sorted type yeah, thing and it's yeah there's a, there's a confidence bit about that yeah and people I don't know about you I like having friends don't you I, yeah. like, I, like, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to go true, yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah. you know I'm not a work from home so so uh, I mean, I'm not of an age that but to me I think, you know, work colleagues, camaraderie, all these kind of things. I think they're very much the pyramid of life, aren't they? So if you, mm. if, you, if you suddenly, you know, this is one of the things that worries me about today's world, that people working from home, you know, that whole camaraderie thing that you've got yeah. uh, during the working environment is hugely important. Yeah. And the other thing is learning. I was yeah. gonna
2: say, yeah, that that being able to overhear a conversation and in, in your you know yeah. um, industry to be able to go, oh, he's just advised him that that's that. So next time someone asks that person, you can go, oh, actually, yeah, that's the advice I'm going to share. And, and you're right, the the working from home, which obviously came became way more prominent through COVID, on the, the back of COVID, um, has the ability to dilute the, the learning within the office to then share with customers if if you like and that is a worry down the line
1: yeah but of course uh you know in the world we have now uh you know recruitment of people is you know you the, the pond is becoming smaller that you can recruit good people from um they're a bit more demanding because you know there's a shortage of good people about what they want to do and so sometimes you've got to acquiesce in the fact that some of them want to work part-time from home mm-hmm. and, and and whatever, so you got to accept the inevitable. But I personally, um, if I stay at home, even now, yeah, I, I feel kind of guilty that I'm, mm. you know, sort of not working properly. Or, <laughs> but I mean, I would never work from home because I, you know, I just, when I was a... I never used to do my homework when I came home from school because <laughs> I, I needed to you know, remember. to me it's an imposition of time, you know, yeah. home is my home life and work is, is where I work. And, and yeah. I, I, I don't want them, you know, to cross over really. I, I, I have never been able to work from home. How active are you in the business currently? Are you still, well, being... I know we've got a very good new CEO, um, who's, um, who came in a couple of years ago. Um, uh, her background was, um, um, well in construction really she's been around the construction industry for the last 20 years yeah um, and um lastly she was uh kate was um she was running um base who were a competitive house building crafting group based in ireland and um and then she left them and went to work um um as the um md uh, of brick okay. um who a plc um and then uh, you know we we got in discussion with with uh, with her about about joining us. I don't think Gippsdorp was really our space. She preferred I think the you know the cut and thrust of the merchant industry. So Kate joined us a couple of years ago, and you know that's a fantastic find really for MKM because obviously succession planning was um, mm. was a massive issue really, and we'd had a couple of goals before, and um, you know hadn't quite worked out so. It's great to find somebody who, apart from the fact he's doing a great job, is somebody to get on with as well, which mm. is is massively important. So I, my my day to day activity is kind of, I, I float around under the title of founder, right. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that means. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I, I like to think I'm a bit of a gatekeeper of culture, which yes. I see is hugely important to MKM. Uh, I, with Kate and I, we we. Um, we go and look at all the physical sites before we, uh, we uh, we we agree that there were, there's a where we'll go, and we interview all the teams that uh, are obviously going to open new branches, right. um, and uh, we do that together and various other things. We you know, we do um, incentive holiday schemes and various other things which are quite big major things that we do every two years. Um, so I kind of tend to sort of run with those, and um, we also have a. Uh, what, uh, what we have our branch directors meeting once a year this year we took everybody to Portugal for a couple of days and it it's not for a jolly it's a, it is for a serious kind of right. you know then that's really the only time in a collective sense that uh, we get uh, the branches together because mm. they are independent businesses working yes. on their own we don't we don't have a hierarchical management structure mm. um, which uh, you know we Pete and I decided right from the beginning we weren't going to have to. If you work for one of the nationals, you you know, have area management, regional management, yeah, you know, yeah. and national <laughs> management, then you know, so it's about seven or eight layers of management before you got to the CEO. You know that what happens in MKM is theoretically they they um, you know they report directly to the CEO really, well, in I mean. terms of that. So um,
0: how, how how easy is it to maybe not let go of the reins but loosen the
1: reins when you when it's been your baby for 27 years? Well. I mean, obviously that's difficult and you've got to have a mindset that says, I mean, I could be, you know, sometimes you think, well, I don't want to be a Ronaldo, you know, <laughs> the latter stages of your career, you know, when you've scored a few goals, on. you know, well, hanging on is one of them. And the other thing is, is sulking around because I don't, I actually agree with what, what you know, that's and that and whatever, whatever, you know, I've kind of tried to leave all that kind of stuff behind really. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've got to be a bit of a realist in that sense. But, I mean, uh, uh, if, if somebody was to say, do you wish you were still running the business? The answer would be, on a day-to-day basis, the answer would be yes. But on the other hand, we um, we sold um, a substantial part of the business, a majority take of the business, to Bain Capital, who are a large private equity. Mm, yeah. um, so, in effect, they call the shots. Um, and um, uh, at, at some point, with private equity because it's a transactional situation. Mm. So then, um, you know, in five or six years from whence, 2017, you know, we, we're heading towards potentially another transaction in mm. a year, two or three years, uh, depending, I guess, what the economic climate's like at the time. Mm. Uh, well, like, you're not gonna you you're not, not going to gain maximum value from turning out somebody who's 77, are you? So yeah. uh, <laughs> you've, you've got to, um, you, you've got to have a, good succession plan in place and you've got to have the right team so you know we we like to think uh, all of us because I'm really aligned with uh, with Bain we're both investors aren't we in in effect uh, that um, you know we've got absolutely the right team and you know when 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 the button's pressed to uh, to say you know the business is potentially for sale then you know somebody looks at it and says you know absolutely because I guess the two things are looking for it a is there a management team in place Mm -hmm. that can actually take it to the next level and then what the opportunities for growth in this business and um, and so those are the two key things Mm -hmm. apart from the fact that you know all all the peripheral stuff that goes with a larger business today that you know when we first started you would never dream would be part of it you know ESG and Mm -hmm. you know all of the kind of things that um, you know corporate governance, you know all these things are uh, huge today. You can't, you, you, you know, you can't avoid them. You have got to mm-hmm. make sure. But and your business has got to be clean as a whistle. Um, yeah. You know, don't think you can fiddle this and juggle that around. You know, once you get to the size we are today, you know, everything has to be, um, you know, to. right uh, on the bottom.
2: And David, what are the what are the growth plans? Uh, you know, is there still ambitions to grow further afield?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, they, 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 there's huge growth plans. I mean, we've got a huge pipeline of. Um, People who teams who want to open branches for MKM We don't. Well, there's no. We we don't operate in a white space environment. So we're not looking for, oh, we haven't got a, a branch in X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all <coughs> we're interested in is the people, right? Um, because the people are on the goodwill of a the business, they, Um and certainly in builders merchants. You know, not just the branch manager, but if they have got a good team, they've obviously got the relationships with uh, with with the customer bases customer as base, well. Yeah. So. Um, we, we, because it's such an attractive proposition uh, the environment's much better i mean i i don't know if you've if you've ventured into an mkm branch at any time have recently off. yeah um and and you and, and the, the other thing is make a comparative and uh, uh, so if you try travis's or juicen or whatever it is um, is to see you know a one of the things we pride ourselves in the level of service that we provide Hopefully, in every in every branch now, I'm I'm sure we do because we get lots of break backs back from our customers about you know service levels and the rest of it, and and we don't manage the business by spreadsheet management either. So you know if you do X amount of that doesn't mean this is all you can have in terms of numbers of people and trucks and the rest of it. We allow them to make all of those kind of decisions. Um, so we often have far greater resources on the ground to be able to deal with anything that's thrown at us, mm-hmm. uh, and um, um, so all, all of those kind of things are. are critical to us that uh, you must have learned load of lessons i guess over the last
0: 27 oh. years if you, if you look back mm-hmm. what what advice would you give yourself 27 years ago when you first set up mkm mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> what advice i don't I, I i i don't i don't think that we would have changed a lot from where we are mm. uh why it would we? Be? Because you know yeah. the formula has been hugely successful, and I mean, it, it, in the nicest possible way, this is a fairy story, mm. um, because you know Pete and I, you know, a couple of local lads that you know kind of started to build as merchants in Holt, finished up with. Um, and it's not just Pete and I, but, you know, the Linda and Janna and, mm. and Andy B and Richard at the time and, and other people that helped and supported us in those early stages. And don't forget, and then the manufacturers, you can imagine some of the issues that we had in those early stages of, uh, well, we'd like a credit account, we like some sensible terms to be able to trade. Mm. Oh, yes. well what kind of track record have you got yeah. what? And, and so lots of it were, were very dependent on the relationships that we had built up over years before that working for somebody else so it was a trust issue uh, and so you know there, are, there, there, were, there were lots of you know major manufacturers that were helping us and uh, even on through the back door if they could you know rather than and, and so they were coming under lots of pressure from people like Harcross and, um, and, and well predominantly Harcross because obviously that's where we come from um, not to give us accounts really and oh yeah yeah and they were they were putting the pressure about you know if you supply them <coughs> we'll stock you and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff so we're and of course then the rumors have gone on uh, ever since from you know juice and stravis's various other people you know they always say to their people they'll we'll bus tomorrow you know they won't last mm-hmm. it's not you know, all that kind of stuff they put the fear of or tried to put the fear of god into people who were considering coming to us and all that kind of stuff but you know, we've we've just kind of plowed our furrow and ignored them. Not in the, in an arrogant way, but uh, if, if you think that you know, 27 years ago we didn't have a single branch, and we, you know, we didn't have a single customer. Now we've got you know a never-ending um, level of customers. 106 branches. Will next year, with revenues, will be we like to think we'll touch a billion um so well, where where, <laughs> where 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 what were the others doing during that 27 year period because ultimately we've nicked it from them haven't yeah. we um and we've um and and we've done it because i'd like to think we do it better than anybody else and so but that isn't that what any business is and we are uh th- 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 w- one of the things that we always because we um, Kate and I um, and and another guy John Samuel you you will yeah, yeah, know, know John, John yeah. um, who works for us we always go and do an induction on uh, every new team before they open usually about six weeks beforehand so mm. we meet all the team and um, you know we have a general chat about it talk about you know where you know where do we where do we come from where are we now where are we going kind of thing so the you know everybody the guys that work in the yard you know and the, the, the drivers and all that kind of they're all they're all included and then we have a bit of lunch together and all that and then we go and see the new branch and blah 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 and get a feel for it and the rest of it um and but i always finish off my bit with that quote from now from from the greatest showman which which at the end of it he says you know nobody made it ever made a difference by being the same as anyone else mm. and so uh, and, and to me that's just a huge, hugely important statement and I think if there's anything that summarises what we've done over these 27 years, it's that you know, we've been different because a we've created a much better a, a working environment, not only f- in, in the sense with the branch directors in the team because they're uncluttered by um, unnecessary central suffocation, because it's not, uh, it's not a command and control business at all, it's completely the reverse. Yeah. You know, they're the most important people in the business and mm. the, we don't have a head office, it's, it's just called central support. support. Mm. And, it, and it's, it's <coughs> literally there to do that, it's not there to, I mean, if you work for any of the nationals, you will tell you a branch manager, the first three hours of every day is responding to a hundred emails from a mm. faceless person that sits in their head office Asking banal questions that if they knew anything about the industry they they wouldn't ask in the first place Yeah, know, if these people don't respond, you know, they're fearful that you know At the end of the day somebody will feel the collar and they'll be in trouble So you know the first three hours of that Whereas with us? There's none of that nobody's allowed to harass you know, the only thing is you know Give, give them uh, give them the information they want them and, and, and leave them to get on with it because they're the experts in the field so that's kind of how we and we've made a difference. And the, the other important thing is that um, we we try and find locations which are not on industrial estate, they are main road frontage. So I'll add locally here, if you went to have a look at the branch, Hanleby of yeah, course is right in the middle. Yeah. The retail sector, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Stone Ferry is, is on that main. Very road. busy road. To south visit. And Beverly F. Swanmore Lane is, yeah. is right in the middle. So, you know, we don't try and hide ourselves away in industrial estate because at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're as open to the public as we are actually mm. to the tradespeople. And I still think to this day that trades, um, the general public do have a fear of shopping with us because maybe they think you to have a trade card or, mm. or something like that. But, you know, we, we, have, we have some wonderful showrooms and, mm. you know, um, and we do sell right across the product range that yeah. most other merchants don't. So you buy a kitchen, a bathroom, central heating boiler, radiators, timber, heavy building materials. You can even in some branches now because we're introducing that at the moment: electrical products and plateau. So, right, you know. So, well,
2: David, I've got a question for you. Two two pronged uh, question here. One is during your 20, early part of your um, creating MKM, did you have any sort of business um, idols, if you like, that you have sort of admired and you have followed? Um, so that's one part. And then the second part is some of the successful. Business people in the world now—are there anyone you, you you admire and think you know what They're, they've done a they've done a good job?
1: Well, one of the things that tri- triggered um, I, I guess my thinking and, and probably gave me a kick um, was when I was with Harcross and we were introduced to um, uh, a video that. Uh, the, the the chief exec of um, of, ha- of cross or Harrison Crossfield said had to be distributed to all the senior management to watch it was Tom Peters in a video called A Passion for Excellence I don't know if any of you have ever seen that I mean it's if you watch it now you'll you'll see it's quite uh, it, I mean it's quite a crackly old <laughs> old thing but but you watch it it's it and and I, in my head it inspired me uh, to um, to think well a I could do better than currently I was doing in terms of what what I was doing and, and secondly just I don't know he, he, he talks about so much common sense and ultimately at the end of the day um, that people spend the money with people they want to spend it with, they don't spend it with people they don't want to spend it with and mm-hmm. so if you can create an environment of uh, where um, I'd like to spend my money with you because uh, then you know business would be much more successful so I guess Tom Peters I mean apart from him I've seen him physically as well when he, he's been over here. But, I mean, he is quite a famous American, mm. um, you know, business guru um, and has obviously written loads of books and various other things. So he would be one of them. I'm not so much inspired by other, you know, I don't kind of fall over and everybody says, oh, I wish I was Richard Branson or I wish I was, um, you know, Bill Gates or, 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 or any of those kind of people. Um, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, it's all kind of trendy to be, mm. you know, in, in that kind of camp. I'm more inspired by um individuals and people you know and and you know the the likes of kennedy um the likes of um um uh, martin luther king he's a, he's a he he uh, yeah you know i think he was such such a, su- such an amazing man in terms of what he did uh you know that, th- those kind of people um mandela though, and 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 th- those kind of people to me are much more I don't know. They inspire me more than 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 thinking around. Um, you know, what 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 do I think of Bill Gates and the rest of it? Mm. They they they're almost kind of somehow they, they got themselves into something that suddenly exploded. Yeah. Um, and were, were they actually good business people or had they actually somebody had hit on a great idea yeah. and they happened to be in the right place? I, I, I don't <clears> know, <throat> but it's not, they, they, they built something of what I'd call, I mean they, subsequently they, they, they built, or the whole thing has been built, but if you've got a commodity that nobody else has got and mm-hmm. it's absolutely unique, in effect that's what they did, and they, you know, all of those kind of people. And, Um, But, but no, I I I don't. There's there's nobody I don't think that um, from a that that sense. I would say that that, that I do do, do believe. I think the world. Kennedy played a massive part. I was thinking my because I talk about this occasionally. If anybody's talking to me, but you know, if you go back to 1955, you know, I was 10, and um, suddenly we were we were listening to all sorts of. Um, you know, silly little songs that people like Alma Cogan and various other people would be singing tiny, 20 Tiny Fingers, 20 Tiny Toes kind of, um, you would have never heard these kind of songs, but, um, and then suddenly out of the blue a uh, screen comes up and there's Elvis Presley, you know, kind mm-hmm. of singing Jailhouse Rock or, you know, um, Heartbreak Hotel, and it was absolutely transformational, yeah, <laughs> <He, he, laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you, you know, suddenly we were all teddy boys and, um, you know, people wore different clothes and and um, and politicians suddenly, like Kennedy, appeared and they, he was a young, good-looking, handsome... Mm. It, of, it was of our area. it wasn't of um, you know, the Macmillan's, the Eisenhower's, all those kind of people. You know, they were old men to us. Um, it was all transformation then, you know, obviously the obvious things like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and, you know, Man on the Moon. You think about the 60s and the mm. 70s, you know. Think, Tell me what happens now. You know, it's mm. just bloody boring, isn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> not the same, That's you know. You, you imagine, <laughs> you know, we're sat here in 2022, aren't we? Coming up to Christmas. And y- you just think, what is going on out there?
0: You grew up in the right era. Yeah. yeah. What,
1: what is I going on, you know? How, how, how can you square the circle of, you know, would I have ever thought in my lifetime that we'd be faced with, you know, Russia at war with mm. and Europe? Would we ever be faced with, strikes again of the nature mm. that well, seems like it belonged in the 70s yeah um the kind of people that were operating yeah. in the 70s haven't we become more sophisticated and mm. sledgehammer action from trade unions to try and you know make people surely we're a bit more sophisticated than that <laughs> you'd like to think seems you'd not like you know think, why yeah. do we live in a disrupted society what what about i
0: asked you about what advice you would give yourself 27 years ago but what what would you give entrepreneurs of today that are maybe thinking of taking a step into building their own business what advice would you give those individuals
1: i don't i, I, I don't know that i'd i'd give on other entrepreneurs advice and because I, I don't really what what is an entrepreneur because i've never seen myself as you know, and I wouldn't. I, I got to being an entrepreneur because I wouldn't have got fifty. I wouldn't have got to fifty being an employer for everybody else. Could have had that kind of. Um, I want to be. Um, I, I think lots of people start their own business, and I think I think that that's a slightly different issue about what is an entrepreneur. Um, He's probably an entrepreneur. He's the guy that was smoking fags behind the bike sheds at school and was selling sinks to <laughs> to the to the other kids and various other things. And you know that that's kind of entrepreneurial, making a few quid where they can and yep. ducking and diving. Uh, but um, I think lots of people start their businesses because um, you know circumstances make probably they haven't got a lot of alternative. Uh, and um, you know some of them might be economic. I, you know I need to do something because. I can't, or you you made redundant like I was, mm. or might just get the sack. I don't mm. know, but mm. any all, all those kind of things. So, my, my, I, I think the, the the advice is that if you start a business, you you, you don't ever become complacent, and, and and always look for growing the business. Never become static because you know what? Once once you stopped growing, then eventually you, you you start to retract and you 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 go you'll start to go backwards. So my advice would be you know continuously looking for growth
0: i think on that point we will leave it there but thank you very much for coming Thank in. you i really much. appreciate it
2: okay thank you